Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Define University podcast. Before we jump into today's podcast, I have two announcements for you about what is going on in the world of Define University. The first is that I'm so excited to announce that registration and enrollment for Magnify Your Mindset is now open. So registration is open just for a limited time. It is open now until April 26th. We kick off this six-week program together on May 1st. So what is this program about? Well, it is six weeks to do just that, to magnify your mindset. So each week, there is a video for you to watch. There is a live group coaching call to unpack all that you learned in that video. And the goals are really aimed at understanding your mindset. I'm going to teach you how to break down those limiting beliefs. I'm going to teach you how to live a lifestyle that self-care and self-love is simply embedded into your daily actions that it is not one more thing to do to put on your to-do list, but it is something you practice every single day. Something else we practice every day is gratitude and celebrations. We are going to cover and unpack the importance of gratitude, not just what it is or how to do it, but we're really going to go deeper at that conscious, subconscious level of understanding why gratitude truly is a, a major tool to practice every single day. And so it is six weeks of of going all in to magnifying your own mindset. I only run this course once or twice a year. And so the time is now. If you are ready to say yes, head on over to the website, defineuniversity.com. Make sure you enroll because again, we are starting oh so soon. All right, announcement number two is I hope you have by now, I hope you've saved the date Saturday, June 12th because that, my friends, is the first annual Day of Discovery. We've got two keynote speakers. We've got 10 amazing dynamic speakers coming in. You get to choose five sessions, either anchored at personal growth or professional growth, because this conference, this summit is all about discovery. And so we always look through both lenses, right? We look through personal discovery and professional discovery, and you're gonna have the opportunity to do both on this one day. Again, it is June 12th from 10 to four Eastern Standard Time. Tickets will be available oh so soon, but I wanna make sure you mark that date down now. All right, there you have it. There are updates. So what do you say we jump into today's episode? Sound good? All right, well, this episode, it's gonna be another one where I'm gonna start actually by reading you one of my latest posts. And I'm gonna do this because I wrote this post truly from the heart and it is one of, it's it's been one of my most received posts and I wanna make sure it gets 
it gets to so many people because it is so, it's, it's not the fact that I wrote it. <laughs> it's, it's more than that. It's way deeper than that. It is about the message. And I think any, any parent, any teacher, any educator, any leader can resonate, which is why I think it resonated so well and so beautifully with those of you that read it um, either on Instagram or on Facebook. So I'm going to read that and then we're going to dive into um, I'm going to give you my own reflection. I'm going to walk you through kind of these lessons that I've learned and, and really how to bridge the gap or bridge the, yeah, bridge that gap from being dependent to independent when it comes to some of these social emotional learning skills and how we are going to, you know, walk that bridge with our students, with our children, one step at a time. So that's what we're diving into. I hope you're ready. Let's get started. Mom, I am really nervous. And in that moment, it all came back to me. See, I knew early on that Kaylee had her fair share of worries. I saw it when she hid behind me. She clung to me. She froze in new situations. And I felt it too. I felt it because it was exactly what I would do when I was younger. Anxiety, panic, and worry were always in the lead. They were always there. And when I started seeing the same reactions in her that I used to feel myself, I knew I had an opportunity for growth. Over the past two years, Kaylee and I have worked together to reduce her worries and increase her confidence. Together, we've read books, we've held many conversations, and we've practiced the strategies. In school, she attends a lunch bunch and she practices there too. And those have been great. They have helped set the stage for when the moment comes. And last weekend, we had one of those moments. Her nerves kicked in, her tears started flowing, and I got down on my knees and I looked right at her and I said, we are in this together. We are ready for this. The time to practice is now. And in that moment, she looked up at me, the tears were still flowing, and she said, okay, I'll try. And that was all that was needed. She practiced working through her worries in real time by showing herself that she could do the activity she was most afraid of in that moment. And I was there by her side the whole time. Whether it's our students in school or our own kids at home, this work takes time. It takes practice. It takes these moments of nerves and worries to see the growth that they are making every single day. This was the lesson I've learned the most. I've learned that it's not just about being proactive, when our students are calm. Yes, everything we do to set that stage is important. But the most important part, what I've learned over the past two years is that the moment that counts the most is the moment of now. The moment the emotions are present, the moment that panic sets in, those are the moments that are truly powerful. So that was the post that, that absolutely resonated and, and reading it here, I know why. Because if I was reading it, it would resonate with me too. Part of what I've learned over the last 15 years being in this field is I know what I know in this moment, yet I still have so much more to learn and I am 100% on board. Sign me up, let's go. I don't ever wanna get to the point where I say, I've learned it all, I've done it all. Because that takes the fun out of life. That takes the fun out of what comes next. That takes the fun and the excitement and the expansion out of what I am capable of creating in this life. And so what I learned in this moment is I was heavily relying on being proactive. Now, don't get me wrong, I think it's essential. I think we have to set those stages. 
We have to build those connections. We have to strengthen, right, those relationships. We've got to plant the seed, if you will, but that's not enough. And I think for a long time, I lived by this belief that that was enough. But then I would get frustrated. I'd get frustrated when the situation came and I said, but you knew it then. Why don't you know it now? Well, simple. The variables then were way different than the variables right now. And a major variable to that situation is the feeling. See, I lacked awareness of how important it was to link the thought, the feeling, and the action. And since I've learned this, it all, it was that light bulb moment. It made so much sense. I teach all the time, if you are out of alignment, it means that your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions are not lined up. They're not connected. Well, the same thing happens for our students. But where we learn things is a huge piece of it and also how we're feeling when we learn things. See, most kids, when we're reading the books, when we're practicing, they're not feeling worried, panicked, fear, anxiety. They're feeling calm. They're feeling confident. They're feeling, oh, this isn't that bad. I can do this. When they can in that moment. But when the moment comes and that panic strikes, as somebody that has experienced panic attacks for years, you are in fight, flight, or freeze. And for me and what I see in my daughter, we freeze. We are freezers. <laughs> we don't fight back. We don't run away. We freeze. We literally get stuck in the moment. And I think it's so important to realize that people are not choosing to freeze. We are not, we are not waking up in the morning and saying at 10 o'clock today, I'm going to freeze because this is what's going to happen. No, it is a response to things that are happening in our environment and how we are feeling on the inside. And so this is where I'm grateful for my work as a behavior specialist. Yet at the same time, I think I, I had personally put too much emphasis on that onto the, onto the, this is the way, because when I took, when I took the, the hat off to say, but let's expand my understanding, I was able to dive into this whole world that involved mirror moments and affirmations and gratitude and language and subconscious mind programming. And that is where I have learned so many things that I wasn't, you know, again, it's that cliche, what I wasn't taught in school. And as someone that's been in school for a long time, <laughs> like I said, though, I'm open to constantly learning. All right, so let's, let's back this train up a little bit. Let's go back and think about how this relates to where we are, right? Because as teachers, we are doing the best we can embedding that social emotional learning into our classroom. I see there's new programs, there's new curriculums, there's new this, there's new that. But what I what I think, what I wanna emphasize today is that is important, that is crucial. Do not lose sight of that. But also do not lose sight of needing to be there in the moment and help coach and guide our students or our kids through that moment. And one of the best tips that you can use is change the word I or you into we. You notice that's what I said to my daughter that day. We have prepared for this. We are ready for this. We can do this. See, my daughter knows I am not doing things to her, for her, uh, for her to her or for her. I am doing them with her. And if, and if that's where, if you're saying, where can I start today? There's your small, simple, and strategic step to start. Pay attention to the words you are using with the students that you are working with and change those I's or U's into we's and help them through the process. Help them see that I can't do it for you, but I can do it with you. Because over time, what that with 
looks like will change. And that's one of the fears that as my work as behavior specialist, that's one of the fears I hear most often is I don't want them to be dependent on me. And I certainly don't either. I don't want that of the, of the individuals I coach. I don't want anybody to ever be dependent on who I am or what I do. I want them to see me as somebody that's making their dreams possible by the work that they are doing. So how do we do that, right? How do we go? How do we help with without them becoming dependent, we have to be aware of what we are doing. I will often say in my work, right, the adult is never an intervention. Adult support, paraprofessional, even the teacher, we are not the intervention. The, we, are, we are the deliverer of instruction. We can provide those directions. We can share the tools. We can remind, but we're not the, we are not the tool. The tool is something the student can use on their own as they learn to. So one of the ways that we, we become not, not necessarily as, as a dependent, but that bridge to independence is we've got to constantly be bring, being, bringing it back, my goodness, bringing it back to a tool that the student can use. What skill are they learning? Are they learning self-advocacy? Are they learning to wait? Are they learning to process their emotions such as my daughter has been doing? What is the tool? So start with we and add in a tool. Those are the first, you know, those are two things that are coming to mind as I'm sharing this with you when you're, if you're wondering, okay, where do I start? Okay, so let's go back here for a moment, right? So I said I had done th some work with Kaylee and we've been working on this for a couple years now because I noticed early on, right around, you know, three, four years old that, that Kaylee had some worry in her and it didn't surprise me. I, I've been a worrier for years. It's something that I work on constantly, you know, to, to really identify what I'm feeling and then take action steps from there. So, you know, we do our mirror moments we read stories about growth mindset. We've talked about the language that we use. Kaylee has her own gratitude journal, right? In kindergarten, I had reached out to the school psychologist because I noticed that, you know, there was only so much that as mom was sinking in and I really wanted that, that home to school connection. And so she started working there on how to express her emotions so it wasn't just through crying. Um, as someone that was a crier, again, comes natural to me. It doesn't surprise me it came natural to her. But I want her, you know, I, I know what the tears mean, but I want her to be able to self-advocate through her words. So we had to, again, bridge that gap. Here's what the tears are telling us. How do we communicate that in a way that somebody other than mom is going to be able to understand it? Never once was I saying the tears are wrong, right? Because behavior is never wrong. Behavior is what we do in response to situations and stimuli in our environment. And so it's not that it's wrong, but it's that it may not get the message out that she wants to share. And I see that with students in schools all, time, all day long. It is not that, that the hitting or the kicking or the swearing are wrong. It's that they are not sharing the message, the intention that the student wants to share. And if it is, it's not being interpreted by the people around them who are there to support and teach in that most effective, efficient, predictable way. So it's not about we don't do this because it's wrong. It's how about have we considered this that's gonna be faster, easier, more predictable to save or to solve that same problem you had by swearing, you can solve it by doing this instead. How does that sound? And you evoke a conversation, you invite conversation instead of trying to categorize behaviors into right or wrong. So Kaylee had been making gains. She'd been trying new things in the community and then the pandemic hit, you know, and then I saw that regression. We would be on Zoom calls with her class. And once she was called on or she was unmuted, she froze and the tears would flow. 
but we worked through it. One of our favorite books is called Ruby Finds a Worry. And we, we would go back to that book as often as we need it. Uh, Preston's Positive Thoughts is another book that we've recently started reading to help really understand the difference in the language that we are telling ourselves. And so she continued to make gains. We worked through these hurdles. And first grade comes. I, you know, she, we were lucky enough that she has been face-to-face -face five days a week all year long. So I'm that parent. Yep, I sent that letter at the beginning of school sharing Kaylee, my goals for her, Kaylee's goals for herself, what she has been working on. We were making gains. And then this past weekend came. And for the first time, we did things out in the community with other people and things came back. And so she went to soccer practice. And as soon as she hit the field, those tears came back. And that was the story that I shared in the previous, in the post earlier in this episode. And so I got down on my knees on that field and I said, the time to practice is now. And we did. And I was able to help her step by step on that bridge to independence. And in about 10 minutes, she was ready to say, I've got this, mom. I can do this. And she went out and played soccer for the next hour and had a ball in the rain, mind you, because kids do Kids can do anything, right? And so it's here we are. We are helping the students go up this bridge. So if you think about a bridge, I always picture close to me is the Grand Island Bridge. It's about an hour away, but it's one of those, you know, I, I think pretty, pretty typical bridges, right? It goes all the way up and then all the way down. So if you think of that type of bridge, so what I'm not talking about here is a flat bridge, okay? Make sure you're picturing a bridge in your mind that's got some arc to it, all right? So if on the one side you are at dependent and on the other side you are independent, well, now we have this bridge to independence. But if you think about that bridge as you're going up, it's steep, which means the support that our students are going to need will be different, be more intensive be a higher level of prompt, there'll be a higher level of support. But that awareness is so important because I have to be aware when we get to the top, when there's that tipping point, when there's that shift, because then we're going downhill and they're not gonna need the same amount of support going downhill as they do getting up the hill or getting up the bridge. So then we start to fade back. And here's the thing, every kid is going to have a different bridge. And I know that can seem overwhelming, but if we look at it through a lens of every kid has a different bridge, which means it's important for me to recognize what that bridge is so I'm not overdoing it or underdoing it. But it doesn't mean that every kid needs a different system. It's the same system. But what changes is my approach. What changes is how much or what the intensity, what I do. But who I'm being in those moments that's always the same. So that's why when we emphasize who we are, it's way more important than what we do. You know, I, I notice when I when I even look at the word behavior, what's the first two letters? B-E-B. So when I look at behavior, I don't look at what they're doing. I look at who they are being in that moment. And so when Kaylee is standing in front of me crying, I don't look at the crying. I look at who she's being. And this is somebody that's in freeze mode. Somebody that is so overwhelmed by her worries. Somebody that is panic stricken by the environment. And then I can help. I don't get mad. I don't run away. I don't get frustrated. I look and see who do I need to be then to be the support that she needs in this moment. And then where do we go from here? So again, we can teach proactively and I suggest we do. We can read the books. We can have the conversations. We can practice. Yes, yes, double yes. 
And that's a great start. But if we aren't there to help them believe in their abilities to use the strategies that we've taught, then their default will always go back to their automatic habits, which is what works in the moment they're feeling the feeling they're feeling, because that is what we do as humans. We go to the simplest response that our brain can process, especially during those moments of fight, flight, or freeze. So if a student hasn't used a strategy before, in the moment they're experiencing that feeling, they're going to need our support. They need that emotional first aid. And that is where we come in because when it's new, they lack the success because they haven't done it before. And therefore they lack the confidence in, can I actually do it? We are that person to say, yes, we can do it. And that we will then shift over time to a you. You can do this and you have proven to yourself that you've done it. So if you did it then, you can do it now. And, and spoiler alert, these are the same concepts I teach to adults. We just use a little bit different language. If you wanna know how to handle uncertainty, first of all, it's knowing that uncertainty will always come because it means we haven't done it. But if I'm faced with something that I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling nervous about, fearful about, go to a time in your past you felt those same feelings and ask yourself, did I do it then? I sure did. Because I have trust in who I am and that trust is what's leading the way always. Remember, fear, is our sidekick, but trust are the headlights in the car that are always leading the way. So once you have increased the success and this confidence in our students, they are more likely to use it because they know it is going to, to solve that problem they were having in a more effective, efficient, predictable way. And therefore we can start to fade back. But it's remembering that the moment to practice is now. So it's time to commit to joining in and joining with our students. And it all starts right now. So what do you say? Let's make the commitment today to joining in with our students and helping them on that bridge to independence, one simple, small, one small, simple strategic step at a time. Sound good? I'm in. If you're in, let's do this. All right, everybody, that wraps up today's episode. If you if you are loving these episodes, would you do me a favor? Would you head on over, rate, review, and subscribe to where it is that you listen to podcasts? I would so appreciate it. It helps share the message out with more people to help learn the message of Define University. And if you would, if you would share this episode out on social media, tag me in it. I would be so honored and so grateful because again, the more individuals we have living the Define You lifestyle, living into that Define Mindset method, ooh, it is a beautiful thing. So with that, everybody, stay tuned for a brand new episode coming, coming your way next weekend, same time, same place. Until then, keep on loving who you are, trusting who you are, owning who you are. Those will help you define who you are every single day. So until then, I'll see you next week. Have an awesome week ahead, everybody. We'll talk soon.